Hello, I'm Penelope Maver and welcome to Earth Converse podcast, where we explore our relationship and conversations with the earth, all in the hope of inspiring a deeper connection with ourselves, each other, and the earth that is our home. And today, I've got Pauline Scanlon here. We met at a Healing Early Imprints workshop in the wilds of Scotland like five years ago, and we were buddies, and we've stayed buddies. We've stayed together. And what really struck me about Pauline is her dedication to her own healing and inquisitiveness. She's an engineer by trade, and so she's got this real intellect and curiosity that leads her down different paths. And she's, I mean, she's, yeah, she's she's world, she's done every, I don't know, therapy. I'm not too sure, really. <laughs> what she hasn't done. And she's going to talk about her journey. We're just going to sort of, as we always do, go with the flow. Um, but there's something really I want her to talk about is the system of natural life. And she's really dedicated uh, 20 years or more around this system. I don't know if you know it or not. And one of my favourite Paulinisms this, is a mosquito is nature's acupuncture. That is a reframing of a mosquito, is it not? Okay, welcome, dear. Oh, yes. Do you remember telling me that? Yes, yes, yes. Mosquitoes do. They see an infrared. And this is, again, a gem that I got from my teacher from the system of natural life, which is that, you know, when you get a mosquito bite, because uh, mosquitoes, they are all part of nature and they see an infrared, when they look at our bodies, they see all the heat spots in it and they go in and do you an acupuncture point there. So they're very accurate, very spot on. The only thing is that they do leave behind a little bit of nastiness, which is where the itchiness and everything else comes from. So they are, in fact, um, these beautiful devices where you can suck that out. You don't have to scratch yourself to death. You don't have to put creams on, but you can co-create or with the mosquito, if you have one of these um, anti-venom suckers. I've got so, them upstairs. In fact, I gave them, I gave them as gifts. <laughs> yep. They're brilliant, are they? Absolutely brilliant. So you just, as soon as, you know, you'll feel it. And But, you know, you can appreciate the mosquito for the work it's done for you, for us, for everyone. And then say, thank you very much, but I don't want what you've left behind. And <laughs> suck it out and off it goes. <laughs> now, we'll go into System of Natural Life first start and then we'll maybe work backwards and why you're there. But tell us about it. Well, it is, as it says on the can, really, it is the System of Natural Life. It, it follows the rhythms of life that we all have, that uh, each hemisphere has. You look outside of you and it's a reflection. So it teaches us to become the observer of nature so that we can integrate more with it. And, uh, you know, one of the, the principles is that nature is perfect. And I used to say, even though I don't know why, because of my intellectual curiosity and wanting to know. But now, I, recently, I've even dropped that. I don't need to understand. I don't, I don't have to know everything that there is to know about everything other than to know and accept that whatever is happening is totally and completely, utterly perfect. It's within a divine plan, within nature. It's within everything. It's for 
everything for for my very best. Nature gives nothing less than the best, always, every single moment of every time. Totally agree. And also, we can't know everything. That's like, <laughs> it's like there's so much magic out there yes. knowing. You know, to yeah. even claim that we would want to know is just... Yeah. We are very, very, very little in the bigger scheme of things, very tiny. And now, for the first time, I've understood why my mother called me Pauline. Yeah, because we are very, very, very little. For the first 10 days of my life, I was called Carol-Anne. And, <laughs> and, and she said it was too much of a mouthful. She couldn't do it. And she changed my name to Pauline. And, of course, it means small, the little things. And now I understand more than ever the little things in life mean absolutely everything. Yeah. In the middle, yeah. Well, that's from, you know, from a science point of view, the the atoms are the smallest molecules or... Yeah. 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 Well, the atom is the smallest molecule, is it? I think the smallest measurable thing is something called a plank. But we won't go there because that really is only because you can't, it's measurable and it's a scientific thing. Max Planck was one of the physicists that, look him up on Google. Everything is Googled these days. Well, yeah. Actually, on that, I like the idea that actually science is only a part of it and there's 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 a real, I don't think there's increasing, you know, like dedication to science or, you know, listen to the scientists, but also Science is just not the only thing in this. Absolutely not. And one of the one of the great things of the system of natural life is that nature has always existed. Nature is there all of the time. And it is science that is moving toward nature, not the other way around. So science is evolving and it's doing it's it's like it's the curiosity of life science and you know I'm speaking as a bachelor of science I'm speaking as someone who has spent a considerable amount of time delving into the science of everything and um, what I can say about it is that it's limited whereas nature is not Mm. there's there's a there's a, a limitation within the bounds of science and partly what you what what you seek is what you shall find Yes. So yes. when you put parameters out there, even if you don't know the answer, you'll end up finding the answer. So, you know, it, it's about the manifestations of the mind and the capabilities of the mind to produce what it is that we're looking for. Delve in a little bit more about the these. Ah, well, um, it is a in many ways it's a return to who we are as human beings. You know, we are the most intelligent species on the planet. We are at the top of the food chain, if you like, in so many ways, because we have the capacity to choose and to discern, make discernments and make judgments in a way. And one of the things that I've discovered is that being a plant-based system, which we start with the physical dimension because that's the most dense part of our body, uh, Starting with the food, there's a a whole realm of yes foods and no foods. And in that way, when you eat yes foods, automatically you discard no foods. So there you are making a judgment and you start right at the very beginning with your physical body. 
and put that back in order. And because it's plant-based, it makes one much more stable. Think about a plant, a tree. It's rooted in the ground. It doesn't move. It's, it's, it can flex and go with the wind and go with everything else. But it's very rooted in its own being, in its own self, really, and is, moves as part of, of nature. So to start off with, it's yes foods and no foods. And, uh, you know, there's a, a list of foods, um, the grains, the um, legumes, vegetables, lo- lots of plant-based foods. But there are some exclusions to that specifically for the energy associated with those particular foods, like the nightshades, for instance, mm-hmm. and walnuts and peaches and you know, walnuts, if you look at a walnut tree, underneath a walnut tree, nothing else grows. So it has this capacity to get rid of everything inside. So if that's what you want, you don't want anyone to come close to you, eat plenty of walnuts, <laughs> which is, we are not really, as human beings, built that way. So there's a there's a whole rationale and uh, reason and logic behind the system of natural life very well thought through, and its founder, Michelangelo Kiecki, you know, got to a point in life when at the age of 21 or so, he was um, given three months to live. So, uh, and then I think he got a little bit annoyed after after sort of coping with the, the information that he'd been given and decided, well, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die my way. And... Uh, that was at 21, and I think he's 60-something this year coming. His research, based on personal experiences, is what created this the system of natural life. And again, like life, it's evolving, it's growing. You know, when new information comes in, we adapt. And But there is a, a steadfastness sticking to the yes foods and the no foods. The story of the nightshades, I was, I, I was really struck when you told me first about the nightshades and why they're a no food. Well, I'm, I'm only repeating what I've, I'm being told and I can give some examples. Um, that The nightshades, the tomatoes, potatoes, aubergines, um, chilies, kumquats and a number of other tobacco um, these have an adverse effect on the liver so the liver engorges it has to grow bigger in order to accommodate and uh, digest them so they in fact they give you less energy uh, and it costs your body an awful lot to um, assimilate these and therefore you know they um they, they have a detrimental effect on the body. And in fact, I'm told that there is a condition called uh, liver napolitan, which is from the Napoles region where they have loads and loads of tomatoes. And tomatoes were not ever native to, to Europe. They came via the Incas. They were known as the Incas Revenge. You know, in nature, she has a traffic light system just like we have in our traffic control systems around the roads and you know anything red in nature usually indicates this there's a warning there as well so you have to kind of be a little bit careful and you know study a little bit more don't take things at face value 
so um, yeah, that's the story of the tomatoes that they engorge the liver. And I remember after some time of not eating tomatoes and peppers and that, somebody gave me a tiny, tiny little garnish that got stuck on a little bit of food and my lips completely, they they swelled up. There was a, a histemic reaction and wow, that was that. I went, ah. So if you, you don't have to believe it, you just have to, like for instance, people who smoke, when you stop smoking, you will understand why you've been smoking. Mm. So my experience on my own body through not eating tomatoes for quite some time and then having my body reacted and I paid plenty of attention to the body that said, okay, no more, that's it. I also had a very dear friend. She started the system probably around about the same time as me. And there was this hue over her. She loved aubergines and she loved the nightshades and everything. And until you can see it, uh, she had this kind of grey, yeah, grey, blackish hue to her skin colour. After six months, her skin was brighter, lighter, and you could see the difference. And her demeanour was more was lifted as well. So I can only speak of my experiences and nothing would want me to eat not even curiosity would want me to want to eat a tomato, aubergine, potato or anything. I found so many other alternatives that are super delicious and I love them. Yeah, you're great at bringing up a thing. So, yeah, it's completely plant-based, no caffeine, no no sugar, no... No dairy, no honey. Yeah, pretty much. No walnuts, no peaches, no nectarines, some exotic fruits. Always looking for what's around in the local um, and in season. For instance, we've just had a glut of, beautiful glut of Brussels sprouts because, you know, seasonally this is the time of year when they're all coming to pass. And so just eat with the, the rhythms of, of nature, what nature provides for us. And nature provides for us in order to prepare us for the next season. For instance, you know, back in October, September, October time is grape season. So jolly good idea to eat plenty of grapes. And if you look at grapes, they even look like the alveoli of the lungs. So therefore it prepares the lungs to do their job through the next season. And, you know, these kinds of connections are extraordinary, really. They're obvious. They're right in front of you. You can see once you know what the alveoli of a lungs look like. You can see, oh, yes, the grapes... I didn't know that. It's interesting, isn't it? I suppose being the discerning observer, isn't it? Yes. Of like noticing that and then going beyond that, beyond the... Yeah, beyond the story. Yeah, about uh, going behind taboos or... Yes. They will talk about, you know, the different consensual reality as opposed to other diverse... Yes. But it's really interesting, yeah. It's a nice thing. Yeah, And, and if you get another story... Mm. That, that helps you understand where you are right now and it makes more sense to you, then that's the story to go with yeah. because our lives are made up of stories. I mean, I can tell you the story of the, the maple tree, for instance. You know, why maple syrup is so much better for you than any other kinds of uh, sweetener. Um, because the maple tree, when it grows, it, it will take 40 years before it will give off its sap 
just at the very beginning. So that's the point. You know, so there's 40 years of maturation built into the maple syrup. And that's just the beginning. And that's a very young sapling of a maple tree. So you've got this slow, 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 precise energy that is contained within the maple syrup. And it's beautifully sweet and I love it. That compared to sugarcane, which is very spiky, you know, because you know, all you have to do is watch your children after they've eaten a bit too much sugar and how much hyperactivity that's going on. And, you know, there you have, you can get a crop of, of sugarcane and it will huge, fantastically high, spring up three, four crops a year. So that's the, the energy. There's the energy of sugar compared to maple syrup, which is languishing, slow, and just, you know, been moving around a little bit and growing its trunk and eventually will give off its sap. You know, so there's there's a, a complete contrast between one or the other. And if we have been inundated and our bodies have been inundated with spike, 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 to redress the balance, maple syrup is phenomenal. It's great. So it's all about redressing the balance. Actually, I don't think I've asked you this about like the, in terms of the vaccine, the COVID vaccine. Have you got a view on that? Oh, mm. well, I do have a view on it. <laughs> I have experiences in the past that um, uh, have been very painful for me, where I have uh, gone into hospital after my son was born and uh, I was. In a, in a particular ward where um, I was uh, had trouble sleeping, had a lot of trouble sleeping. I was very agitated about a lot of things going on in my life. And one of the reasons I was there was to for observation, funnily enough. <laughs> and um, during that time, after about three or four days, I did manage to rest and get some sleep. And one time I'd gone to bed about seven o'clock in the evening and around about 11 o'clock I was woken up and uh, this male nurse had a, an injection ready for me and, and there I was very drowsy and said, what's this for? And he said, oh, it's to help you sleep. <laughs> and nobody had said anything to to me about it nobody had even said that some kind of medication was coming my way there was no consultation no nothing just this young male nurse 11 o'clock past his new night shift came to me and woke me up and was wanting to give me and I said no thank you I'll wake you up to help you make you and and I couldn't believe what I was being told you know and so I said no thank you and if you like an, argu an argument, uh, uh, a situation grew because, you know, are you refusing? And I said, well, you've woken me up. It doesn't make any sense to me. Nobody said anything to me about it, so I don't know what's inside it. I don't know. And this is, I'm using the correlation with this COVID-19. So it's the same story as far as I'm concerned. And it is that I was violated terribly that night with five people holding me down and 
pushing this injection into me in a very inhumane way. That one injection at that time, and previously I had a phobia about having needles come to me. Um, I am not having anyone put anything into me. It was an incredibly uh, disturbing time in my life. And I was in a place where they were supposed to care for me. And this was how they thought they were caring for me. They violated all of their own oaths. They, they didn't get two doctors at one o'clock in the morning to come and, sat and covered up with all the paperwork afterwards. And, you know, that experience has stayed with me. It struck me in many, many different ways. Mm. And it made me very untrusting and I and now through the system of natural life, I trust life. And when life has its way, life will. And and you can know life through death. And you can, you know, it's all a question of um, putting things in, into proportion. And maybe I've it was completely exaggerated everything that happened there. But it was for a nonsensical reason. It didn't make any sense to me at the moment. The COVID situation doesn't make any sense to me. And um, I'm a, one of these people who will say, no, thank you. And I'd rather not know. Uh, I don't want to hear the arguments for or against. I know from my inner knowing, no, thank you. That's really as I don't want to have any big discussion. It's very simple. Thank you. I appreciate the offer. But no, thank you. And I think it goes back to like where you see what you want to see. There's sort of like in terms of that we uh, the evidence for or against as we see yes. what we want to see. Yes. And so in many respects, it doesn't matter. But what is your own truth? And I think yes. I think the health system ignores people's intuition. They we well. all away our authority to um, the profit, you know, the professionals or the doctors. Yes. And put them on a bit of a pedestal, but they have some, you know, they have obviously wisdom, a studied wisdom, and yes, yeah, keeping up to date. But we hold our own wisdom. It's an uh -huh. adult. and and for me, the answer is no, thank you, and I don't want to have to uh, fight for my rights. This isn't about fighting. This is about me wanting to live in harmony with myself. And I don't want other people to impose their ideas and wishes upon me the way in which it has done in the past. Mm -hmm. So I've, you know, the mind is a very, very clever entity, super, super clever. And if you go to look for something, you will find the answer that supports whatever it is, is your belief system or your position in life. So in a way... I don't trust words. I used to love words because they're so beautiful. There was a nuance to everything. But when the energy behind the words, it's like the, the Native Americans from when I grew up watching, you know, cowboys and Indians on the television as a, a Sunday, Sunday movies, white man, fork tongue, you know, so they will say something but do something else. So there's incongruence. When I see something that is incongruent, no thank you, is my answer. Very simple. Incongruent, no thank you. Without integrity, I'm not even going to question it. I just know inside of me 
And my engineering background was all in quality assurance. And it was um, say what you do, do what you say, and prove it. And the prove it bit was all the paper trail. I've dropped the prove it bit. And their actions and words integrated are phenomenal. You know, they are magic and they, they bring a focus and a clarity to everything that a person does. So be your own integrity. And the plant-based system, it will bring out, uh, you will er eradicate the notion that anything you've eaten is the cause of some kind of bodily reaction. Uh, so they're all very simple foods. And uh, from, the, from there, any reaction that comes is a cleaning and a healing process. Ah, nice. So what yeah. have you noticed in your own? <laughs> wow. Um, what have I noticed? Observed. Well, I'm more at ease with myself than I ever have been in my entire life. I also recognise that things that have happened to me in the past, um, the being diagnosed with a, an incurable illness, um, has allowed me to find my own way, find a path that, um, and to live with something that is incurable and that it's severe, it's enduring, and um, I'm careful with myself. I'm more gentle with myself than I've ever been all my life. I look after myself in ways that I would never have even conceived were possible 20 years ago and I I know my vulnerability I know uh, one is only as strong as their weakest link and I have a, a number of weak links within me and I take care of them very 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 well because without that you know <laughs> you're not here anymore <laughs> and I want to stay for a little bit longer what is the incurability I've no idea. I don't even want, I don't, I just know that this is the, the label. In the system of natural life, is there so, such thing in nature that's incurable? Oh, probably life itself because it keeps on going and going. Yeah. <laughs> and nature, you know, nature adapts. Nature, you know, there are things that have become extinct. The dodo, the other things. So there is the possibility of... of things becoming extinct is that is yeah what is incurability it's an interesting word <laughs> it is it is isn't it you know um, oh, perhaps i'm an incurable romantic as well <laughs> go into the system of natural life what took you there okay so for more than 10 years after i was had this diagnosis and and I had many, many different episodes that were horrific and terrifying, and it was all in and around mental health and my physical health as well. Um, I was looking for something. I didn't know what I was looking for. I just All I knew was that incongruence. They just didn't feel right, and I've got no idea why or how. Um, and you're right, I did try many, many things, and because things were very helpful, celloid mineral therapy was quite helpful to me. But we have to put this in context. You know, you've got to know where I was at at that point in time. And uh, it helped. 
you know, so there was a time in my life where I couldn't put my hands to my head and wash my hair. I couldn't coordinate my body to be able to brush my teeth. And I went out being an engineer. I wanted a solution to the problem. So I knew. So I bought an electric toothbrush so that I could feel the vibration on my teeth so that I could um, know that I was actually brushing my teeth. But I couldn't feel the pressure. There was just, again, it, I was in this very zone out place. So I have these memories and I know what that's been like. And uh, from that point, yes, I was, once I started to get a little bit more back on my feet, which, you know, as an emergency, you know, the, the allopathic medicine stepped in. So I'm very grateful at that point in my life, that was what was necessary for me. But it did have its side effects and I did lay laying on the couch, zombied out. I put on huge amounts of weight. Um, I, I lived in a fog for, for a very, very, very long time. And so once that kind of lifted, I was looking and always searching for something. And I, I looked at anthroposophical nutrition, the Rudolf Steiner way of, of looking at life, um, thermoauricular therapy goodness that was just so many different things and I'd already done some uh, work with the anthroposophical nutrition at Emerson College here in Forest Row where I live and it opened my eyes to again a different way of living that you know lundi mardi mercredi jeudi vendredi samedi dimanche each one of them is a, a planet associated with each day and a grain associated with each of the of the days of the week. Lundi, for instance, lunedi, Monday is the moon day, and and the the grain associated with that is is rice. Uh, lundi, mardi, Tuesday uh, is the the planet is is Mars, and the grain is is barley. And Wednesday, and it goes on and on and on. You know, we even have the the rhyme. Monday's child is fairer face, Tuesday's child is full of grace and, and so on. So there were connections being made there. And I had explored all of this. And the bit that didn't sit right with me was the curds and ways and, and the dairy. And I wasn't even sure why. Oh, I can think back as to why now. Yes, I can. And a friend of mine ran a clinic called the Sanctuary of Light and that was in Norwood in South London. And I went to Fresh and Wild because I was quite into organic produce at that time. And I had studied some nutrition and some acupressure. Just popped in to see her. Okay. In just popping in to see her, she had met Michelangelo the night before and had a reflexology session with him. And she was raving about this guy. He was, oh, she'd never experienced anything like it. And it was just fantastic. So she rang him up to, to tell him and she was having this conversation before her clinic had even opened. And I popped in to make an appointment with somebody else in her clinic because, again, I was still exploring many, many different complementary and alternative ways because allopathy didn't have anything to offer me except pills pills and more pills and even now you know I have a, 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 a I have a respect for all of that and um, so she was there raving about and she said oh I've got people here they want to see you too so she kind of made the decision for me and I went you're yeah, right then 
Uh, so the next day I had a reflexology session with him and it wasn't quite the most painful reflexology session I'd ever had, but I didn't stop laughing, 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 laughing. It was so painful. I just kept on laughing and laughing. It was hilarious. It was completely infectious, my laughing, because it was so terribly painful. <laughs> yes, I can remember it now. And um, later, as I started to study more and more with him, I understood that this laughing was a release of the heart, that the heart was under so much pressure. And it was in the middle of um, summer. And of course, I was much bigger than I am now. And, and yes, probably, yes, of course, my heart was under a lot of strain and a lot of pressure. So this was it naturally releasing. So laughter is phenomenally good. <laughs> I love it to pieces. And he said to me at that point, he said, well, are you coming to the talk this evening? I went, what talk? I don't know anything about talk. I went, so, yeah, well, I don't know. Oh, I'll see. I'll go home. So I went home. And as we sat around the, the dinner table, I said to my husband and two sons, um, what are you doing tonight? And thinking I might like to uh, go and listen to this health lecture. Really, they said? Oh, oh, yes, you go, you go. We're going to the squash club. We're going to watch the football. We're going to this. And all, obviously, stuff that I'm not completely interested in. And they were delighted, completely delighted that, yes, yes, off you go. <laughs> oh, all right then. So off I went. And because I'd bought a one-day travel card, it didn't cost me anything to go back up the second time round. <laughs> so that was super good. And... From that point on, uh, there was things that happened there that there was this synchronicity of events that came to pass. Um, I would get to find out that he was in town. It, there was this other connection that was an unspoken connection that was bringing me back to receive more reflexologies with him, to, to want to understand what this, um, what, to understand what was happening with me. And I had at that point qualified as a nutritionist because I really wanted to delve into, I want to understand what, what's happened to me. Why has this happened? You know, there was this insatiable appetite that couldn't really be, uh, couldn't be satisfied in any way. And when I first went on his nutrition or his food seminar, he spoke about the energy of, of the cow's milk and that cow's milk belongs to cows and that you know, cows grow from calves to adult cows in two and a half years, whereas humans, we grow from baby to adult in 25 years so there's a there's a times ten factor, faster, 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 faster. You know, so we're we're putting into our bodies things that are not suitable to us, and asking us to grow quicker than we were than nature intended. So a slowing down process is what's needed, and then on top of that, he described. Can you imagine what it's like for the cow who is tied up, restrained? can't move and she's just given birth to a, a calf that's going to be taken away and used for veal so she's desperate flinging and desperate for looking 
for her child, for her her baby. And I deeply resonated with that. It was the thing that made me sit up and take notice because of the despair in the past that I had felt over many, many different things. So this desperation drove me and I didn't even know it was despair that was driving me. I just knew that something wasn't right and I didn't know what it was that wasn't right. And in many ways, that's what led me for you and I meeting five years ago, again, in and around when I was born, what was it that happened to me? What, and immediately I've never, was never, never breastfed. So the, the breast milk that was made by my mother as a human being for me as another human being was never given to me. And so the fad, the science at that time with its formula milk, and me, I became a scientist full of formulas, full of A plus B equals C squared times three will equal something else, you know, uh, all of those formulaic things. Um, yes, they work in a very limited capacity, but they're not the whole picture. They're not the bigger picture. That's why we need to go beyond the stories we are being told. And even science is a story. Mm. I remember sitting in a Greek island when my, my eldest son was moving from, he was in year five at primary school, and he was, his next project was going to be Greece and the ancient Greeks. And I remember we were going out looking for turtles on this bay. It was one of a day out trip when we were on a holiday in Greece. And uh, there was this man. There were no turtles to be seen anywhere. But he made up all these stories about, well, three weeks ago, we saw a turtle here. And, we saw, and I was like, what are you? There's no turtles. It's simple. There's no turtles. What are we doing? But there was all this flim flam about because we were out on a trip and he was, you know, we were being charged, you know, being charged and uh, he made it rather entertaining, and that's when the penny dropped for me. Even Einstein's theory of relativity is just another story. <laughs> you know, this is one of the greatest scientists that we have. But for me, this is where I made the transition from hypothesis and theories and very sturdy words over to the more gentle stories, myths, legends, how we behave, and we even have to look beyond that because we are humans. We have the capacity to choose for ourselves every single time. We don't have to follow a mythological pattern. We don't have to follow the hero's journey. We can do what is absolutely right for us at the right time in the right place. And that's all there is to it knowing the difference between what's congruent or incongruent, what is right for you, what is not right for you. Very simple. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. I didn't even know I was going to say all this. <laughs> so important because we give, I've said this before in other respects, is like we give away a, a personal authority, you know, yes. to, to the storytellers or to our parents or to our doctors, to our experts, but actually yeah. to find our own story and what's real for us. And, um, you know, and but I also love the, the, the bracing of the, you know, the hard facts or the data because, you know, there's facts, there's rocks. Yes, yes. 
and but yeah. then also the myth but beyond the myth and the poetry actually I love yes. when you you said about you did world whirling yeah you oh. whirling Yes. I can just imagine actually that loosening up your, yes. your structure and your control and getting yes. into a different state. Yeah. And, and also you you can't whirl without being completely centered within oneself. Yes. The lovely, yes. Finding so uh, and, and they do exercises when you're training or learning to whirl. Um, you know, to look at one, uh, look at the hand and just whirl around the hand. And there's a whole, there's an entire ceremony mm. involved with whirling. I loved whirling and I still do. I haven't done it for a long time now, but it, I, it was a phase in my life and I loved it very much. And it did teach me huge amounts about being mind and body unified together. And uh, if if you look at babies, for instance, they are totally unified with all that they do. If you, if a baby holds onto a rattle and starts shaking it, you try getting, and it's a, it's interested in the noise of the rattle, and it's it's shaking and it's looking at it. You try taking that rattle off of them. They are they are unified with that rattle, that that baby's rattle. And the only way you're going to get it off of them is to distract them. Well, they let go and their focus goes somewhere else. This is a beautiful observation of how we are naturally as human beings. When we are unified, it's the mind that takes us all off in all these different directions and the chit-chat, oh, the chit-chat in my head, oh, sometimes I just, she'll be quiet. <laughs> yeah, or turn to it and go, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm listening. Or yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's okay, it's okay, go and have a cup of tea. Yes. <laughs> cup of tea is the answer to just about everything <laughs> these days my teas are are caffeine free and you know I have watched my body how it has these reactions these allergic reactions for want of a better word so I have through the experiences through my life experience I have an extreme sensitivity to a lot of things so uh, for for that reason you know <laughs> In many ways, one might say I live a very restricted life because of it. But within that restriction, I I make the most of everything that's there to be had and to be seen and and to to be joyful about because I, I know what it's like to be the opposite of it. And I'm very, very grateful for everything in my life, really. And I see in terms of your, that sort of restriction, sort of the freedom within the framework because yes. you, you give it sort of a freeing of the mind knowing that what you do is so good for you. Yes. And, um, and the result that you gain from it in terms yeah. of your nervous system or yeah. your, your literally your healing. Yeah. Mm. Yes, there's a, there's a, a beautiful uh, Binde Gavebe, which it took many years before I could even receive it, before anyone could even touch uh, my skin, which has a, you know, I, I, I can absorb the theory very, very quickly. The, the practice is a little, takes a little bit more um, coming to me. But when uh, I remember feeling the practitioner's fingers going down my back in a very slow, methodical way, and the instant relief that I experienced, this dropping into 
my body in a way that I had never dropped into it before. And um, yeah, I love it. I loved it so much. I went to learn more and more and more about it. It's a particular kind of um, massage. We all have ideas, again, more stories about what nature is. We, We all... Many people will, when when you think of nature, you think of running brooks and streams and rivers and trees and clouds and birds and, you know, flowers. You know, this is nature. But every single thing on this planet is all part of nature. We're all... You know, we're spinning at a particular rate. We're in relation to the moon. We're in relation to um, Mars, Venus, Sun, Saturn, Platon, Uranus, all of them. We are in a, a cosmic dance. And I have always, once since I first encountered the pale blue dot, I love it. I love listening to the pale blue dot and... Uh, seeing the smallness of the earth and these so-called triumphs and how we're so fervent about one particular idea and another idea. And this too will pass in the same way, even as a child, uh, my father took us to County Sligo in Ireland and there was this huge mountain, Ben Bulban, and he said, I asked, you know, what is this mountain? He said, oh, that mountain has been here long before you were born and it'll be there long after you're gone. So, you know, being kinder and more kindly to each other and to ourselves is, is really hugely important. And if there's that message, then I hope people hear it loud and clear. And the gentleness of life, the sweetness, in life is there to be seen but is there to be touched and feel felt and and just embraced in a way that perhaps we haven't done and if we're going to have conversations with ourselves they're the kinds of conversations where we mother and nurture ourselves as if we are our own newborn baby as if this is the most precious thing in your life that lives with inside of you we are all one entity together we just see the separation and I think it's with words we can play with them and they can be used for trickery and deception but we are each one of us an integrated part of nature we are an integral part we are a part of nature a part of of nature. We are not apart from nature. They're exactly the same words. They're exactly the same letters all put together, one with a little gap and one without a gap. And the one with the little gap means we're more into it. We're more integrated with nature than being stuck very, you know, looking very um, limitedly at a part. We're not separate from nature. We are an integral part of it. And every single thing that happens to us is is all part of the cosmic learning, the cosmic dance. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
Isn't it just and I think that I've said to you the last poem I ever wrote was for you when when we met a few years ago. And I've got no idea what I wrote. Uh, It was private, it was for you. I wrote written by me and it just came through. Yeah, you know, I'm extraordinarily grateful for having met Michelangelo and um for what he has taught me through his life experiences. He has allowed me to honor myself more than I've ever done before and taught me discernment. But we it was there inside of me already waiting to be awoken. And that's the thing, I mean, you you absolutely turned up at the right time in that moment of that woman saying, you know, inviting inviting him there and then going to the talk and hearing yes. the talk of the cows, you know, and then oh. yeah, doesn't it? And then it triggers something in you and you see that. You see that connection. Yeah. Discernment. Yeah. And um and bit by bit over the years, I would say wild horses wouldn't stop me from continuing with what I'm doing. It may seem extraordinarily um restrictive, but I get the maximum enjoyment out of life because of it. And um, that in itself is, is you know, very efficient. <laughs> Disciplined. There's a, there's a, I want to say, is there a restraint? Because some of your fasting is really, well, for me, I'll say extreme, but for example? Fasting. So the fastings, when you consciously go about the business of not eating solid food, These fastings are fastings that you can go with all the different tastes and flavors, the the sour, bitter, salty, um, sweet. You know, no, you're not deprived. It's not a a water fasting or only one thing. So you can, it's about learning to listen to your body, to get your body to speak to you in the language that's most appropriate for you. And so the, the, the fasting in a way, replicates and recreates the time in which you were born. When you were mother, you had everything, everything you ever wanted, and then, no, it's there's a not mother, so you're into the practical world. So you, it, it brings up discernment, again, more and more and more discernment, and getting to understand your body when you don't have everything provided for you. What is it that that will bring up, uh, and you are loving yourself, and it brings up all that is love, is all that is not love. So in this way, the, the whole fasting experience is an educative one, and it's an inner, it's an inner knowing, it's an inner exploration. It's about recognizing physically. We've cut off the physical food. So therefore, there's more time, more energy available on the emotional level, on the mental level and the spiritual level to explore the non-physical entities that we all are. So we are physical and non-physical entities as we're walking around. But when you cut off the physical food, you can explore more deeply. You can see it in a different way. So that's the whole process. Ancient form of going into consciousness, isn't there? You know, yes. It's in consciousness, I think. Yeah. Um, e- even the word breakfast 
is break fast and and how to break a fast how to do it gently how to do it that totally respects what's going on in the body that you've stopped eating for nine days ten days six days three days whatever you know however long a person does a fasting for and um yes i've had to delve quite deeply inside of me to get these levels of recognition and um awareness so we'll start wrapping up but there's one question that i do ask people what what is, do you think is the collective conversation we need to step into you know what i actually think the conversation is silence it's really extraordinary i didn't know i'd be saying that but it's it's about quieting things down and you know using kinder gentler words and and reverential words you know that the person in front of you is a divine entity is is sacred and is beautiful and to have a quiet respect for that so I do. I really want to thank you. And thank you. Thank you for giving me a voice, really, because uh, I I know that um, I stay very quiet for an awful lot of time most of my life, and I and I'm I'm delighted we're friends. I'm delighted we've kept buddy buddy, and we've been able to spar word spar with each other so many times. And um, you're is really beautiful to know you yeah. i love you very much too. put a pause here and see you back for the next earth converse podcast in the meantime go out and enjoy earth one conversation at a time <laughs>